This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So there's a misconception that if you're single, you are incomplete, perhaps damaged, salvaged, and you won't be happy until you find your one. And that is not true. That is bullshit. It is a message that has been fed to us by media and advertising. The truth is, when you're single, you have the richest soil for growth. That's why I created this podcast. And unlike other podcasts, this one is host-driven, not guest-driven. That means I will be rotating health and wellness experts three times a week to give you the giant box of wellness crayons, not just the primary colors, so you can start building a meaningful life. It's time to give singlehood a cape. Today's guest is the, and yes, I am adding a V because she has earned it and you will see why, the Demona Hoffman. She's a certified dating coach and media personality. She's a regular contributor to the Drew Barrymore Show, NPR, the Washington Post, the LA Times, and so much more. Plus, she is the official U.S. dating expert of OkCupid. That means she knows some shit on both sides of the curtain. Demona's podcast, Dates and Mates, just launched its 10th season and has recently received the award for the best podcast of the year at the Black Podcasting Awards. Enjoy the Demona Hoffman. Hey, this is Demona Hoffman. I am a certified dating and relationship coach, and I'm so excited to be here on another episode of the Single on Purpose podcast. For those of you who haven't heard my interview with John uh, or who haven't heard about me and my work yet, let me give you a little let me give you a little primer. I've actually been a dating coach for over 15 years. I started out originally just writing dating profiles. And this was at a time when I was working as a casting director in television, and I was teaching classes for actors on how to market themselves. This is way before anything personal branding, <laughs> anything, any social media, any of that. I was teaching actors how to have headshots that would stand out to someone like me that they wanted to to meet and be called in for a particular role. And I showed them how cropping headshots, how how the way you dress, how the background behind you, all of that filters into the way someone uh, looks at your photo and the impression that they get from that. And when I was doing that work, I was also online dating and I saw the similarity between what I would tell actors about getting noticed and what I needed to do to get noticed by the kind of men that I wanted to date. And I ended up meeting my husband online and at that point, people started coming to me for help and they'd say, well, I tried online dating. It doesn't really work. And I would look at their profile and inevitably I'd find a mismatch between what they thought they were saying and what they were truly putting out into the world. So it was at that time that I began writing dating profiles 
before this is really this is over 15 years ago. So this is when online dating was really in its infancy. And from writing dating profiles that were getting people on more dates and getting people married and helping people build families, I realized that there was something in this formula that could be repeated. But there was a problem. I found that a lot of times I would get people on dates and they would end up doing the same things that were keeping them single or they'd get burned out or frustrated. And I then became certified as a life coach and then specifically as a dating coach to help people through the entire process of matching and then messaging and then getting to the date and actually making a connection and building a relationship. So that's what we're really going to talk about today. Because I have seen a tremendous shift in my 15 plus years of doing this in not just online dating, but specifically around the way we communicate. And I don't have to tell you that a lot of our communication has moved online as well. So we're in what I call the communication crisis. We're at this point where we're saying a lot But are we actually hearing a lot? Are we actually feeling that connection? And I've realized that it's really important to develop the skill of being able to communicate both online and offline. I used to say texting is for information, not conversation. And I really had to walk that back in recent years because now texting is a an actual stage in the dating process and i have spent a lot of my career giving people the tools to learn how to reconnect again and how to communicate so let's do that today let's look at the communication crisis how we can all overcome it and become better communicators and make better connections because this is really what we all want The drive for connection is so strong and we are so starved for it, especially coming out of the pandemic. And we're not the same as when the pandemic began. I mean, of course, you look around your world, nothing is the same. But we literally have shifted internally and we are seeing personality changes. There's been a lot of research on, especially for uh, people under 30, that people declined in traits that help us navigate social situations and trust others and think creatively and act responsibly. And this is a crisis. If we can't think creatively and trust others and act responsibly and navigate social situations, how the heck are we going to date? But we can figure it out. And there are best practices that I'm going to share with you today and how to navigate through both online communication and offline communication. And when I say online communication, I mean both written communication and even video communication. We are, most of us, pretty fatigued over video, I would say, right? Uh, But now it has been incorporated into dating and it is a separate skill that I've had to teach my clients as well. The thing that I've also seen result from us being on video video chat so much over the last two years is a lot of us are questioning our identity. 
and our self-image because we're always looking at ourselves. I tell my clients, hide your self-view. If you're going to do a date on Zoom or on another video chat uh, platform, if you can hide your self-view, it will really help you to not be so self-critical, not constantly be worried about how do how does this look when I'm speaking to someone, but instead to really just focus on connecting with that other person. So we will unpack all of that today. I will also tell you how to escape what I call the texting trap. So we can't say information, we can't say, so we can't say texting is for information and not conversation anymore because people are having conversations uh, over text. But how do we keep it from becoming a trap where you get stuck in it? And then now that we are moving offline and into the real world, how do you successfully connect with someone when you are face-to-face with them? So let's unpack the various areas where communication has shifted because I think we don't even realize how much our communication has changed over the time that, let's say, online dating has been a thing. Uh, or that it's been popularized. Tinder just had their 10th anniversary this year. So a lot has changed in a relatively short amount of time. And of course, dating apps were was the first, the first, uh, the, the canary in the communication coal mine there. Dating apps really changed the speed of dating. So I don't see, I, I see a lot of the things that people complain about with dating apps are the same things that people used to complain about with in-person dating. Like this feeling of being rejected and put your putting yourself out there and the overwhelm and the disappointment. Those things were all out there before, but the difference is they're happening at scale now because you're matching and messaging with so many people. And the speed of dating has increased. So when I began dating coaching, if my client had one, maybe two dates in a month, they were doing pretty well. But especially prior to the pandemic, it got to the point where if my client wasn't going on two dates a week, they felt disappointed. They felt like they weren't meeting their goals. So that's a big difference. When you go from one to two dates a month to one to two dates a week, And that's a lot more people that you have to give your energy to. And when we talk about communication, we have to look at the energetic exchange. You are making time to connect with someone. You are making yourself vulnerable, hopefully, uh, and being authentic and emotionally connecting with someone. And that all takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of ourselves to go through all of that digital communication, then to get to the date, then to keep the communication going and move it to the next phase of the relationship. Yeah, it does take a lot of effort. But if you are really clear on how you want to connect and you establish boundaries, keep to those boundaries for yourself and for the other people that you're meeting, then you can conserve your energy for the right people. The second thing we have to look at in changing modes of communication is social media. This is, this has been, I think, a bigger disruptor to dating 
than dating apps even. Because on social media, you have constant, constant communication coming at you. And yet it feels empty, right? Because there isn't really somebody on the other side. I mean, there is somebody on the other side, but they're not connecting with you in real time. And that's the element that I think a lot of us are missing, that real time synchronous communication. Even texting is not necessarily real time communication. It can happen time shifted. So texting is the, the third biggest changing mode of communication. When you are not talking to someone in real time and you're not able to take in all of the other cues, their body language, their eye contact, the, the, the nuances, what they're wearing, what re- you can respond to in the environment, all of these things contribute to a richer and deeper communication on dates. But if we don't have all of that, we're really guessing, right? And we're really filling in the blanks a lot. So this is why you'll see someone say, I really connected with this person over text and we had all this great witty banter. And then when I met them in person, it fell flat. And that is also because of what psychologists call the online disinhibition effect. So this means that people will say things and do things online that don't necessarily align with who they are in person. Because we feel the sense of security and safety behind the screen and we can say things that that are a little bold, that maybe are a little naughty, that if we were face to face with them, we would be embarrassed to say them. But then we get this emotional letdown when we actually meet them because we're we've been communicating in fantasy land. And then face to face, no one is that quick and clever. No one is that uninhibited the first time they they meet you. And they're now competing against this impression of them, them that you had in your mind. It's very hard for someone to live up to that expectation, especially when you've been communicating over text for weeks or maybe even months. So let's talk about the texting trap next. What is it? (laughs) The texting trap is when you feel you have been stuck in a texting or messaging phase, messaging within a dating app, I also consider part of the texting trap. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You've been stuck in this phase, and you feel like a lot is happening and nothing is happening at the same time. Because... You're not really connecting. You're not really moving the relationship forward. It's like a snack. See, if you, you're, you're hungry. You're hungry out here in these dating streets. And yet you get this little, little hit of dopamine every time you send someone a text and you get a response. You, you think, ooh, a little endorphin burst. I'm, 
I'm excited that somebody has responded to me, is connecting with me, and we get addicted to that. I mean, by design, dating apps, text messaging, social media is designed to be addictive. It's designed to draw you into it. But as a dating coach, what I'm trying to do is to get you to step, to use it as a tool and step out of that and into real communication. So it's happening now because of efficiency. First of all, everyone says, oh, I want to I have a lot of dates. I want to have a lot of possibilities for connection, right? And yet we just can't keep up with the volume and the speed. And so there's this dissonance between what we say we want. We want to meet the person, but we don't want it to be hard. We don't want to put a lot of time into it. And yet we spend all this time trying to filter and screen somebody over a text. And we think we're saving ourselves time, but we're not. We're actually creating all of these emotional threads. Think of every text you send as a little piece of you, a little emotional thread that is out there in the world. And then the more people you're threaded to, the more responses you're getting, the more complex that network of connections becomes. It's harder for you to manage the communication. It's harder for you to be really present when you're communicating with that person because you're also shuffling messages from 10 other people. And then you're not taking the time to give a thoughtful response. You're just, you know, hitting a quick thumbs up emoji which uh, there's some science around people's feelings about different emojis. And a lot of folks read that thumbs up emoji as uh, dismissive, but it's easy for you. <laughs> sure, it is easier to, to use emojis. And I actually love emojis for building connection when they are used effectively. On their own, they can feel lazy, like a shortcut. Partnered with text, they can feel like they add context. So I love using emojis in place of punctuation, especially if you don't know someone very well, to start to build that connection because then they can read the tone. Because remember, like I said, they don't have your facial expression. They don't have your body language. They don't have your tone of voice. Our intonation and inflection can tell somebody a lot. But if they don't have that, what do, what do they have to go on? They're reading it in the, their own mind, the way that they're interpreting it. And they may be reading it in the headspace that they're currently in. They may be reading it on the go. They may be reading it in a room full of other people or while they're multitasking. And you're not necessarily getting a clean, thorough emotional response. So... We want to think of it as more efficient. and We want to think of ways to be more efficient with our texting. And adding an emoji can add that kind of context. But we also have to consider how it may land to that person and not just how we're sending it. Try even reading your text aloud. Read it without punctuation. By the way, there are also people who believe periods are aggressive. 
So you may not want to use punctuation. But then again, uh, if you're an older dater, a lot of people will say that they will judge someone for not using proper punctuation. So you have to kind of know your audience, right? And know what their, um, what their communication style is. Certainly pay attention to the way that they message you and the style that they use because it may be jarring. If they never use emojis and you're always using emojis, that can feel like overkill for them. So definitely emojis are like salt. You know, a little bit enhances the flavor too much and it overpowers it. So just use them sparingly. Another way to build connection over text, I'm a big fan of using GIFs and memes and even links. I actually, I write for a column in the Washington Post called Date Lab. It's a matchmaking column. And I had uh, someone that I interviewed who said that after the date, they sent, they were going to send a link to their date about something they discussed earlier. Um, I think it may have been a band or something, a callback, I call it. It's a callback to something that you connected on before. And that can be really effective to build connection. It can also be really effective to restart a conversation, like let's say you have a text thread that just has gone flat. If you reconnect to a thread, to something that you discussed before, it can take them back to that emotional state and it can jumpstart the connection again. But the bottom line is whether you're using emojis or GIFs or memes or links or just straight text, the bottom line is we want to drive towards real connection text, no matter what, the text is a snack. You want the real meal. And you can't find out who somebody is over text when you are missing all of that other context. And you can't find out who somebody is through asynchronous communication that's not happening in real time. You have to get together. So I want you to be thinking about driving to that date and driving to even a phone call. I love for my clients to do phone calls, even a video chat if you, um, because now I feel like video chat has been so popularized in our culture that a lot of people are now using that as a substitute for a date or as a screening for a date, which I think is fine, but I suggest that you schedule a time. Don't make it a casual, like, I'll just do it on the go, but make it like it's a date, like it's a it's a check-in really if you're doing it from meeting someone online who you've never met in person. Uh, but putting something in between the match and the texting and the physical first date to, to actually have that real-time communication, phone call, video chat, it will save you a lot of time. And I know it may be counterintuitive because you're like, I'm going to spend more time but then I'm going to save time. But you're spending time up front and then you can find out, did this person say something that offended me? Does this person not look or sound as I expected? Are they not? Are they unable to keep a conversation volley going back and forth? You have to think about all of these things. And if you do a 20-minute phone call or video chat with somebody and you find out that it's not working, you can save yourself the time on the actual date. And we'll get to the actual date in a minute. But when you do that first check-in call, it's a good idea to make a curiosity list. Like go through their profile and write down, what am I curious about? Now, don't take it to the date and like, 
study it like a nerd while they're sitting there. I mean, you can, but I don't think you'll get a second date. But if you prep yourself before and reread through what you wanted to talk to them about or what you're curious about, that will prime you to be in the right headspace for the date. And by the way, that first date should be set within a week of connecting. So I see a lot of people spending so much time trying to filter and building a rapport and sending good morning and hey, beautiful texts. And they've never even met that person. Like that's how you end up in a catfish situation. If you've never met in person, they're not really your boyfriend or girlfriend. They are an idea. They're a possibility, but they're still an idea. So you really need to bring that to the real world as quickly as possible. And if you are dating long distance, then go ahead and do the video chat, but do set it up like it is an actual date. I hope that episode was helpful. Hey, listen, if you want to share your singlehood journey, if you've gone somewhere, come back. If you have revelations and wisdom, please share your story. It's going to help other people. Nothing makes us feel more connected than hearing other people's stories. So just send me the audio of your story and you could just record it directly from your phone and email it to theangrytherapist at gmail.com. Also, if you want our Single on Purpose newsletter, go to singleonpurpose.life. That's singleonpurpose.life. You will get tools and articles and other people's stories and also uh, Zoom links to private gathers. So if you want to join our community, go to singleonpurpose.life. Thank you for listening. Be well. We hope you tell a friend. My name is Stephanie Carlin. The biggest revelation I have had while being single is the universe will continue to place people in your life so perfectly until you have learned the lesson. I learned that intuitive listening was not a muscle I was exercising. And I also learned that it was because I lacked self-trust and therefore all my decisions were fear-based. I'm so glad that this single journey has been the one with the most growth and continues to be. I honestly wouldn't have it any other way.